Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flywheel Nation community, go to flywheelnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. One of the key principles of any process is to create, standardize, and then optimize, right? Mm. People are very geeked out on technology and automation and AI, right? And I really put all of that in the category of optimization because you, <laughs> you can't really optimize a process you don't have. And before you optimize a process, we got to get it standard. Is it adopted by the team? Is it being used consistently? Does it work consistently? Is it producing the outcomes that we want consistently, right? Before then, we actually have to create it. And by create, I mean put to paper, right? There's tons of processes that exist in an organization in people's heads. We actually need to download that process so that other people can use it and we can get that standardization and then we can optimize. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast all the way from, and I'm not sure, it used to be New York, USA, which is what my research tells me, but you've moved to Columbia, I believe, so we'll get clarification of that in a moment, but mm. let me introduce Juliana Marilunda. She's the founder and CEO of Scale Time, where she and her team create ways to free up at least 30 hours per week for her clients so that they can have successful agencies that run without them. Great sort of um, tagline there. So welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, Juliana. It's a real privilege to have you here as my guest. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and yes, I am currently in Colombia and probably inching my way towards Europe. Oh, wow. So <laughs> more on that in the future. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> and traveler. So there's there's another thing that Scale Time does. It helps you become mm. location independent. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, Tanya Alvarez, who was our guest on episode 581 of the Innova Buzz podcast, introduced us. So, big hello to Tanya. Oh, yeah, of course. She um, and I have actually traveled quite a bit yeah. um, and are very good friends and colleagues. Excellent. Yeah. And we had a wonderful conversation with her on, on that episode 581. There it is. All right. Now, lovely. I, I indicated what scale time does the focus is on helping agency owners design high performance teams high performance systems and high performance processes so they can indeed 
free up their time to do other things like spend more time with their family or travel or start a second business or whatever it might be that they decide to do once they've got some additional time on their hands. And I'm really excited to talk to you some more about some of the ways that we can all achieve that. But before we do that, Juliana, what's the impact you're making in the world today? Um, I would like to say that the impact that I am making in the world is helping individuals and owners have more freedom of choice. Um, I think for, for agency owners, for owners, for leaders of organizations, um, I think the word freedom gets tossed around a lot. Like, ah, oh, you know, we're going to create freedom of, you know, geographic independence, freedom to do what we want, freedom. Um, and oftentimes, you know, it's not the individuals who are going to go and spend like a month in Bali that we tend to work with. Um, although we, you know, we could do that. Um, but it's, it's having the freedom of, oh, wow, you know, I want to be able to get my kid, you know, elite tutoring or equestrian classes, right? It's, it's having the, the choice to say, well, I want to live half of the year here and half of the year there, or I want to take the month of August off, right? It's, it's what are those things that truly make you happy and being able to do that not only from a financial perspective but also from a time perspective hmm. yeah it's fascinating and something you said there kind of prompted me to think yeah people are thinking about this a little bit wrong um, there is all this talk about freedom and time and attention are the non-renewable resources we have and how can we how can we focus on those resources money is a renewable resource so how do we grow money and how do we become financially free because then we'll have more time and we'll have more we'll be able to focus our attention on things that we want to be doing but we kind of don't do because we think we need to earn more money and so on um, but the one thing you said there that i thought if we change our mindset and say well choice what are the choices we need to be making what are the choices we can be making what are the options we have and hey we are free to make any choice we want so yeah talk to us a little bit more about that shift in mindset from looking at choices rather than like thinking of it of money and freedom of time and so on um I think choice is such an important part of the human experience, <laughs> I think. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I think it was at one point where it's, I think for me, it's it's about individuals having more choice. And I think choice gives us power as opposed to control. I know this is going to get very meta, <laughs> um, which was not the, the angle I thought we were going to go yeah. in, um, where I usually talk about systems, but it's... You know, I think as owners, right, depending on where you are in your maturity level, like there's so much need for control, right? In the beginning, usually like if you're under 500K and, you know, or even under 250K, um, USD, Euro, more or less, um, you're you're trying to make sure that your quality is good, right? And usually you are the delivery mechanism. Mm. And so there's so much need to you know, figure out what your offer is and control the outcome. It's like, oh, okay, I want to make sure that the quality is good. We're going to control the outcome. 
And then if you want to grow bigger and, you know, maybe you have some freelancers, um, now you're like, okay, uh, we need to control the quality, right? Um, and so so there's that like, okay, and how do we do that? And and I think um, that that mindset of control often limits us, right? Mm. Um, and, and I'm a big believer that if you have good systems, if you have good process, Right. If if you have a good system to recruit good people, right, and maintain them and make sure that they're performing and you have metrics in place, um, then it's less about having control and more about having factors that are there to stabilize and give you the outcome that you want. Right. Because at the end of the day, what people want is to make sure that their reputation's intact, that they're doing good work um, and that their clients are staying or coming back. Right. Referring them and that they can get new clients. And so, you know, by being able to let go of control, we actually gain a lot more power. But in order to do that, we have to make sure that the quality is still in place. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, and then once you're like, if you, it's, it's usually a dash to cash to the million. And then at like 1.3, it's like now you have managers. And so it's like you have less control, right? Because <laughs> now it's like, do you control the managers that are controlling the people, yeah. <laughs> right? Like it's like this whole, um, it's like a game of telephone, but it's like a game of control, right? And then you're like, oh my God, I'm paying these people. Like now I'm paying them so much money, but like they're not doing what I want them to do or they're not doing it or like now I'm doing their job, right? Because... I'm not getting the outcomes I want, but I'm still trying to control everything, hmm. right? And so I I really have thought about this a lot. And and for me, it's about like, how do we let go of control yeah. in order to gain power? And in order to do that, we have to be really clear about the choices that we want to make, right? Hmm. And that's And I think that's where the freedom of choice comes in, right? Like, do you actually want to break the million because because you want to make more money or because you want to create a bigger impact or because you know you want to have a really great team and you want to be able to like be that person that's able to sustain them right like like you really care about your team you want to grow them you want them to be happy in a place and environment that you didn't get you know, to have while you were maybe, you know, growing up in the corporate world. Um, And so these are the choices that we make because your take home between 250K and a million actually doesn't change that much. Sometimes it goes down because Mm. you're reinvesting into the business, you're reinvesting your salary um, to make sure that you get to that point. And so these are the choices that we have, right? So if you want freedom, you know, in quotation marks, for those of you who cannot see me, um, like, what does that really mean? And what are the choices we're making? Hmm. Yeah, it's a fascinating topic. And it's interesting, you talked about control, because thinking back to my, I mean, I, I love the explanation, I wish I had that years ago, when I was in the corporate world, and we were building systems for our research division, how to come up with new products and take them from an idea all the way through to commercial successful commercialization and we actually had processes that we developed for every step of that journey which is quite a long journey and one of the challenges that we always faced was 
particularly in the research division, the researchers and the people coming up with the ideas and doing the experiments was uh, these processes are going to take, they're going to control us. They're going to take away our creativity. They're going to take away our ability to innovate. And I was always one to say, no, they're not. They're going to take away the tedious decisions that you have to make and they're going to take away the uh, mental capacity you need to remember, oh, I've got to do this, I've got to do that to get to the next step. They're going to take all that away and free up mental capacity, which you can then invest back into generating new ideas to feed into the beginning of that process. So, yeah. Absolutely. Like, I mean, if anyone subscribes to the idea of like decision fatigue, right? Or if you have, you know, it's like, I forget how many decisions we make in a day. Mm. Um, and, you know, by the end of the day, you're tired, which is why they say that the worst decisions are made at like 2 a.m., right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're too tired. You're yeah. like, this is a, you know, at alcohol, you're making some bad decisions. Um, but you're right. So decision fatigue is a thing. And so if you can remove decision fatigue, Right. And, and as you said, if you can if you can amplify and increase your ability to have, you know, less cognitive load, you have so much more capacity to innovate. Um, and we work with so many creatives. Right. And they're like, oh, man, you know, structure like you're, you're going to take away my freedom. You're going to take away my, you know, my creativity. And and oftentimes it's, it's not the creativity that's being processed out. It's all the menial crap that nobody wants to do anyway. Right. So it's like, OK, well, let's. Let's reduce this so you have more time for creativity. Hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's it's almost a paradox, isn't it? Where people sort of come from this mindset of, oh, I'm suddenly being constrained or controlled, to use your word, or mm-hmm. or now I have to do it this way. But it's exactly what you said. It's taking away the menial tasks that's actually occupying time and brain power that could be better used elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. All right. Um, so talk to us a little bit about your philosophy of building processes. And I know, I mean, I know we'll get onto the idea of uh, AI, generative language models <laughs> and use in processes. I'm really keen to hear more about that from you because I've gotten really excited about what AI can do, but I haven't really... Uh, married it up with processes yet. So I'm, I, I'm actually writing some processes about how to use it in certain situations, but actually using it for writing processes is something I'm really keen to learn more about. But talk to us a little bit more about fundamentally the philosophy of, that you use for writing processes, developing processes. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so, um, so one... One of the, I would say, like, of the key principles of any process um, is to create, standardize, and then optimize, right? Hmm. Um, people are very geeked out on, you know, technology and automation and AI, right? Like, and, and I really put all of that in the category of optimization, yeah. right? Um, because you you can't really optimize a process you don't have right (laughs) um and like it's just hard right because if not you're just gonna have um and one of my clients is like garbage in garbage out right like you can't um and 
before you optimize a process, we got to get it standard, right? Um, you know, is it adopted by the team? Is it being used consistently? Does it work consistently? Mm. Is it producing the outcomes that we want consistently, right? Um, and then before then, we actually have to create it. And, and by create, I mean put to paper, right? Because a process, you know, there's tons of processes that exist um, in an organization um, in people's heads. Hmm. And so, you know, until we can plug you in and download your brain, um, <laughs> you know, and maybe feed it to an AI algorithm, um, right? And MLM, um, we, we actually need to like, download that process so that other people can use it and we can get that standardization and then we can optimize, right? So kind of just first principle is create, standardize, optimize. I always say it. Um, and, and I think it's really fundamental. It's very simple, but it's, it's one of the things where I think it's really important that people just you know, remember and, and actually act upon. And, and I think it's also very liberating because if you're working, you know, let's say you're scaling very quickly, you know, and people want to like geek out on optimization. Sometimes it's like, uh, 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 don't go there. Just, just get standardization across the board, mm. right? Because if you're working, let's say, on your client onboarding and maybe your project management and maybe you have a new offer that you've got to standardize, right? Like, like we want to get everything to a playing field where it's repeatable and scalable before we start adding massive optimization, yeah. which is great. You know, I mean, I love optimization. Like I can live in optimization all day long, but it doesn't work um, if we don't really work the system. Hmm. And so that's, that would, I would say that's, that's the main thing. And then, you know, if you want me to kind of delve deeper into like, okay, how do we, how do we actually download someone's brain or how do we, how do we create processes? I'm happy to kind of go into my thoughts on that too. Hmm. Yeah. I love it. I love the, the overview, the create, standardize, and then optimize. And often, I get people saying, because I do a lot with um, automations and then people saying, can we automate this? And I say, well, what's your system? Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, well, how do you do it now? Uh, well, it depends who, who does it. And sometimes I do this and sometimes I do that. And I say, well, we can't automate that. So let's let's document the system first and then let's get it working manually consistently. So, yeah. So I'll use your explanation from now on. Awesome. <laughs> Feel free. Um, Excellent. <laughs> yes. And I would also say, you know, um, depending on the maturity level of the business, right? You know, sometimes you have offers or, you know, things or processes in your business that that are really standardized or like if you're beginning, you're just kind of like throwing spaghetti. Hmm. Um you know, you, you might have different things. So I would say, you know, go and see what's working, what's profitable, what's making you money, um, what you're enjoying, right? Because sometimes these things are not mutually exclusive. Um, so, and, and then standardize for your average, right? Because if you try to standardize for everything, um, you can't, hmm. right? You, you want to sort of 80, 20 that rule and say, okay, well, 80% of the time, 
this is what we're doing. This is what works. And then you can have deviations or rules about when it doesn't work yeah. or when you're breaking your own process, um, which as owners, we do all the time. Yeah. It's like, team, do this, but I'm going to go, yeah. you know, make a hard left yeah. and go do that. <laughs> um, and, and when you do that, like I often say, build criteria around that, right? Is it, are you breaking the process because... You know, you have a legacy client, you have a built-in relationship, and maybe they're your, like, best friend. Okay, that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, or someone who maybe isn't paying you as much, but they're, like, your referral rainmaker, and so you consistently want to make them happy, right? So create criteria as to why you're mm -hmm. breaking your own rules, um, and now we can understand, or at least the team can understand your decision-making. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's such a valuable advice, and, and often we kind of break the rule because we figure oh, I can take a shortcut here or or we've got this inbuilt need for a bit of variety. So, okay, I'm going to do this different just for the hell of it. But that's <laughs> that's kind of sending all the wrong signals, uh, isn't it? Gonna, yeah. yeah, we're just going to break stuff because we're bored. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, you talked about the idea of downloading your brain or downloading someone's brain. So tell us a little bit more about that because, I mean, there's, I see a couple of scenarios here. I see the one scenario where somebody's developed some expertise. It's kind of like it's just ingrained in them so they do things and it's almost automatic for them. So they're actually not conscious of specific steps that they take which they would need to describe if someone else were to do this process, that's not an expert in doing it. Um, but then there's the other thing which may be unconscious, maybe even conscious, which is the person saying, well, as long as I'm the only one that can do this, they need me. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So talk to us a little bit about downloading <laughs> the brain and maybe touch on those two things. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll talk about the process hostage um, in a moment. <laughs> so, um, okay. So one of the things that I would say also is that building processes in an organization is a team sport, right? Like don't try to do it yourself um, if you're the owner. Um, don't do it by yourself because a you'll never get it done. Hmm. Um, unless you know your your employee zero and you're hiring employee one, right? Um, then then you have to. But there's ways to cut that so that it's not as um as awful as it sounds, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and and find your subject matter expert. Like, who is the subject matter expert? Right. Because when we're building processes, in effect, we're, we're really creating training. Right. Mm -hmm. We're like, OK, this is how you're going to do something. Right. We want to develop it so that people can follow along. You can track it. Um, and then also um, you can train someone mm -hmm. because even if you hire someone that's excellent and let's say you hire someone excellent from a competitive organization. Right you may not necessarily want their bad habits yeah, yeah. or you might want them to do things the way that you want them mm. to be done. So even if you're hiring someone that is phenomenal, they still have to go through things. They might be able to go through it faster, but you still want them 
to have, you know, that tribal knowledge that is part of your organization, your secret sauce, whatever is yielding the results that makes you so special. Um, so having said that, um, how do we create processes, right? So I am very big on video. Mm. And the reason why I'm big on video is because we can slice dice um, and replicate and then turn these into processes um, later on, right? So it's it's like you get a two for or three for one um, with video. So one is, let's say there's not a subject matter expert in your organization, right? Like, let's say you're like, ah, oh, you know, we are, you know, we're doing one offer, right? And we want to add another offer. Um, and we have someone who's really smart in our, you know, in our team and they learn very quickly and we're like, ah, this person could do it because everything I throw at them, they learn and they do. Right. And so, you know, in that case, you can just buy training, right? Hmm. Buy training, take that individual who's becoming a subject matter expert and say, okay, take that training and now dilute that into a process. Right. Um, you know, give me the step-by-step, you know, workflow. Um, and then let's put that workflow to use. Right. Let's, you know, let's create it. Let's run it a couple of times. Let's standardize it and see if it works. Right. So step one is you just buy the process. Um, and then there's also tons of people out there selling like, you know, here's my insert this offer in a box, you mm. know, for $9.99. Right. Like, like there's tons of processes and checklists and swipe files and documentation and training that you can buy. Right. That's that's one step if you don't have the subject matter expertise in your organization. Now. For most of your listeners, I think there is subject matter expertise in the organization. So what do we do then? Um, so if you are, if you have the time, right, and you actually can build out some of the processes before you hire someone, or if you have someone in your organization um, that has a subject matter expertise, you have an employee, um, you have a contractor, Sometimes, right? Like mm. you might have a freelancer and you're like, okay, we need to download their brains. Um, the easiest way is to get them, that individual, whether it's you or somebody else, to do a video. And there's tons of note-taking apps now with video, right? So you want to make sure that you're doing the video and the transcription at the same time. Right. Because that's just going to save you loads and loads of time as you're doing this. And then you're putting this into a process. Right. Now, what is a process? Right. <laughs> um, process is a sequence of, you know, actions and steps for a derived result. Um, and I like processes in a couple of formats. One, I like it in checklist formats so that we can put them in project management tools so that, you know, we can template them out and we're like, okay, here's an offer. Here's our client onboarding. Here's our recruiting process. Here is, you know, how we, um, offboard a client, which is often an overlooked mm -hmm. process, right? Here is how we offboard an employee, a team member, a contractor. Um, you know, if you hire someone from, you know, a gig economy site like how do you offload them in that site right um so we want to be able to have these repeatable templates in a project management system because if you put them 
somewhere that is not a project management system, it's difficult to track, yeah. right? You can't track a document. Mm. Um, and oftentimes people will put processes in like Google Docs or Dropbox or, you know, just, you know, Word documents and, and they're not trackable. So that's hard. And then if they're not trackable and you're getting more advanced, um, then you can't see the capacity of your team, mm. right? Um, and if you can't see the capacity of your team, it's really difficult to know when and who to hire. Um, it's also difficult to figure out who's performing and who's not, right? Who's getting the job done efficiently and who's not. So, so we want to be able to track it in the checklist format. Um, and if you're doing a video with transcription, right, you're also going to have all of not just the skeleton of like, you know, um, what we're doing, but also how we're doing it. Hmm. Right? And so those are the pieces where I love and recommend people, you know, create, you know, wikis with standard operating procedures um, or mini SOPs if you don't have time to like f totally flesh it out, right? And if you just have the video, that's a great start, yeah. right? So at least now we can get the video, we have the transcription, we can take that transcription and you can have um, someone very junior, or now we can use AI and, you know, we could talk about that mm. to take that transcription, turn it into a checklist, put that checklist in your project management system, mm. right? Um, so that's why I'm a really, really big proponent of doing video with one of the note-taking apps because you will automatically get that transcription and you're just going to get so much juice out of that. 15 minutes that you're doing that video or that half an hour that you're training someone mm. in person. Um, so if you have the time, um, do the video beforehand, right? Because you're like, okay, we're, we're now building a library of these processes. Um, and if you don't have the time, then instead of just doing shadowing with someone, right? Oftentimes you're like, okay, um, I have a new person. Oh crap, I didn't have time to train yeah. them. Um, I'm going to train them now. Um, right. And so do a video where you're training them again with the transcription. Even if you're doing it in person, you know, you can leave one of these video things right. on mm -hmm. so that it captures the transcription. Um, and now, you know, even you, if that person's onboarding themselves, which often happens, right? It's like, okay, well, now part of your job is to, you know, to take this and like show me that you've learned it you know, built out, out the process, the process. Yeah. Mm. um, built out the process. Right. So, so I would say those are three different ways, mm. right? You're, you're either buying it, you're doing it prior. And, and if you're doing it prior, I would say to do the process as you're doing the thing. Um, meaning like if you're onboarding a new client, wait till you have a new client and then record yourself mm. onboarding and just kind of verbally processing what you're saying. Mm. Okay, you know, and then we got the scope of work and we put the scope of work into, you know, this, you know, um, document and this is how we like now create the client document and this is now what we're going to do in our project management system. Um, we're now going to send them uh, a kickoff call, right? Like, and you're going to sound a little silly. Yeah. And that's okay because everyone always feels so silly yeah. when they're doing these videos. Um, be silly and and make it dirty, dirty drafts. Um, make it dirty, make it silly because it's not gonna be your ultimate process, exactly. right? Mm -hmm. Like processes are are always evolving, so you don't want to have these 
like beautiful mm. you know videos that are gonna last no 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 like like you want these videos to be super replaceable yeah. um and you want the next person to create the next video and have it be better mm. um yeah that's that's you know, such so, great advice and i remember I mean, that was when a light came on for me. I, I was always a process junkie. And like I mentioned earlier, <laughs> you know, writing processes, I was sort of the one of the process champions in our big corporation of about 20,000 global employees. And I was known as one of the process champions. But the when I started my own business and I started writing some processes and then bringing people on board and getting them to write process, and I remember talking to uh, an early mentor of mine who was actually in the video game and he's also a process junkie um david Je <laughs> david jennings from systemology and he ah. he said to me you know what i do is i video everything i do and then i get the person that's going to be running that process so that's the, the training material and then they write up the process so this was before transcription and ai was a thing and I remember mm -hmm. thinking, oh, that is so brilliant. And ever since then, I've been doing that. And any any training I do, I basically record and say, well, there's the, the framework for the process. And uh, now, of course, with the transcription, and I haven't actually done the AI, I must do that with the next thing because I do have something I need to video as a process for a client. Uh, I'll turn that into a checklist using AI and see what happens because um, that's that's yeah. kind of the next evolution of it, isn't it? It is. Um, and and it's really um, it's really neat because one of the things that I personally you know always say is that AI is part of the workflow. Right. It's not the entire mm. workflow. It's not going to do the whole thing for you. Um, and you're going to have to quality check, mm. right? Um, it may not be perfect, but it's going to do a really heavy lift. Yeah. And one of the really amazing things about AI that it can do um, is process. Like it, it can really understand um, process and it can, and it can label really well. Um, and so you know, as opposed to if we were having a, a conversation about like AI and marketing, totally different conversation. Mm. But for operations, it really understands how to take tons of data and summarize it in linear fashion, um, which is exactly what we need for a step-by-step -step process. Mm. And so um, to answer your earlier question is, um, if you are doing a training video, right? and then you give it to someone, you're gonna miss stuff, hmm. right? Like if you've been doing something for 20 years, yep. there's going to be things that your brain is calculating in milliseconds that you don't even remember it's calculating, hmm. right? Because it's just, it's muscle memory. You're like, you know, one plus one equals 33 because <laughs> you know this this and that right and so you're and other people are going to be like but but it equals two and you're like no 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 it's 33 and you know it's because this is what's happening in the industry this is what's going on with the macroeconomics um you know this is the type of client um you know these are the questions that we didn't ask this is where they're lying to us blah 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 right so um so your brain will will just know things um for any subject matter expert right because they're an expert and so where we get 
the the gaps right like where the gap analysis is done is when we actually hand the process off to the next person mm. and they're like oh but why did we do this and what happened mm. to that and like this how i don't do, understand why we press this button and not day. that button yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. and so that gap it's what's missing in you know in the actual training and or process and so we use that feedback loop to standardize mm. Right. That's part of the creating and standardize. There's a feedback loop in which we're handing it off to someone else. And now oftentimes what's missing is criteria, right? Like, okay, well, I made from, to get from this step to that step, right? I made these decisions based on this criteria. Yeah. This is why, right? And like, and that's how we get from here to here. And because, you know, and then over there from, you know, um, the way that we get from P to Q is because blah, 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 right? And so knowing initially, and that's why those dirty drafts are so important, mm. right? You're not going to get, and like the, the smarter you are, the worse they are, yeah. right? So Yeah, and <laughs> also like, why, it's, um, why it's, um, it's hugely valuable to do the dirty draft rather than spend a lot of time refining it and producing a fantastic video because there's going to be gaps in it. So mm. you're going to have to redo it or, or edit it heavily to fill in those gaps. Um, and and it's going to take forever to actually get done, and it may not ever get done because the barrier is just too big to mm. do that big production. Whereas mm. if you just do the quick and dirty, go through, and then come back, okay, I need to do another quick and dirty because there's this big jump in logic mm -hmm. that um, I've done, and it's obvious to me, but it's not going to be obvious to anybody else. Hmm. Exactly. And chunk them down, right? Like chunk down the process into 10 to 15 increments. So that way, if, if you have to redo something, right, if you have to redo a part of the process, you're like, Oh, wow, that, that did not work. Um, or, you know, or something changes, right? Like an industry standard changes, um, an algorithm changes because that's hmm. never happened to us before, <laughs> um, right? Yeah. Like every six months, yeah. um, right? Anything that changes, like you you change an offer, like you're going to have to redo that, hmm. right? Like any change is going to cause changes in your process. And so if you chunk it down now, like you don't have to redo a two-hour yeah, video. Yeah, that's right. You that's... just hmm. have to redo a small chunk of it. Um and that's huge, right? And hopefully by that time, other people can redo it because they're doing it, mm. you know, now they're the subject matter experts. So, um, and like, um, <laughs> to your question about people who hold the, <laughs> um, the processes hostage. Um, so any single time you have, you know, interesting outlier behavior, in employees and or team members, right? Whatever shape or form they take. Um, it's always what's in it for them, hmm. right? So, um, and it's like, what's what's in it for you, right? So, so part of it is like, okay, well, in order to get promoted, right? Or in order to do more interesting, fascinating things, we need to get this off your plate hmm. eventually, right? So let's start putting these processes in place so that we can get this off your plate so that we can secure better, um, more interesting work for you and, you know, hopefully more money, right? Hmm. So so that's, that's one that's pretty easy. Another one um, is we need to be able to cross train the team, right? Someone else needs to be able to do this if you want to take a day off. Hmm. Right. If you don't want me texting, calling, slacking, um, yeah. whatever form of interruption, 
um, then somebody else needs to learn how to do this. You can't be the only one, right? Um, so that you can actually take time off, right? So many times, you know, people will, you know, they'll, they'll hold a process hostage, but then they'll complain about the fact that they can never take time yeah, off. Yeah, So it's like... They get interrupted, <laughs> yeah. Exactly, right? So it's like, we don't want to interrupt you. We want you to have fun, right? Like, go, go, get off the grid. Do do whatever it is that you want to do. Um, so, so those are two big ones. Um, that usually work in the conversation, right? Mm. Um, and another one is just plain like, you know, we are, as an organization, right, we're becoming a more performance-based organization. What that means is that we're having standard operating procedures. We want to grow. We want you to grow with us. And now this is just a part of the gig. Part of the job is that, you know, everyone is learning how to do processes. And when things change, we're going to optimize them. And like everyone is just going to learn how to do this because we're going to be a process-focused organization, right? Mm -hmm. So that's another sentiment, um, especially if you're growing and if you're growing quickly. Um, people can get on board. Hmm. Yeah, one, one of the ones I think um, may work well in a larger organization, because I know this was often, I use this sometimes in uh, the corporate setting, not necessarily just for processes, but um, the concept that your job, your number one responsibility in your job is to train your replacement. Because... Absolutely until we have your replacement trained and ready to step into that from day one, we can't promote you. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. All right. Well, this is uh, really fascinating. Julia, I could go on geeking processes a lot more and exploring <laughs> sort of some actual tactics. Um, I sort of steered away from that because I think, We'll let people contact you for more advice on that. I think that you've added so much value already and I've learned a lot. Uh, I think it's a good point now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. It's the same five questions I ask every guest. And the idea is you'll inspire the listener to go and do something awesome as a result of your answer. All right. All right. So what's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Fail. <laughs> I think that the number one thing to be more innovative is to get really comfortable with fear and failure. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I, and I keep reminding myself whenever I kind of have this uh, sense of, oh, I'm not sure I want to do that. I sort of, okay, is that fear? Mm. Is that fear of failure or is there something else going on there? And if it's just a, no, it's a fear of failure, change my mindset around let's do an experiment because that appeals to my Absolutely. to my inner scientist. Yeah. I say, let's do an experiment. Mm -hmm. Here's the hypothesis. Let's yeah. gather data. And, yeah. <laughs> and let's do the experiment, <laughs> gather some data, have a look at it. Okay, that didn't mm. work. So what's the new hypothesis? And that, that, was yeah, the, absolutely. that was the way we did chemistry when I was doing my chemistry training mm. and never any thought about, oh, this could go wrong. I won't do the experiment. <laughs> I love it. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think one of my favorite words is like, just test it. Just just test it. Mm. <laughs> See what happens. Yeah. Excellent. Well, what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Um, whiteboard, <laughs> I think. Um, so I <laughs> whiteboard. Uh, I think there's, there's 
just a couple of things, right? I think, you know, um, being able to get into flow state is, is really important. And I've actually taken, you know, this, um, like course on flow and everything like that. Cause I geek out on these things. Um, but giving myself enough time to get away from <clears throat> the, the daily grind. Right. Mm. And like, let my brain wander. Um, and, um, I get awesome ideas when I'm on airplanes, which is probably why I love <laughs> to travel so much. Right. Um, you know, and so for some people it's like when they're driving for other people, and then it's being able to just dump those ideas somewhere and revisit mm. them. And, and I think that's just such a good way to innovate is to actually let that part of your brain, um, that has been dormant come alive, um, into flow state and, and capture them mm. wherever you are. So, um, don't whiteboard while you're driving. Um, but audio notes work really yeah, well yeah. while I've, you're driving. I've right? discovered the audio note. Uh, I bought I bought <laughs> myself a smartwatch simply. Uh, well, I thought it was a toy. My, my wife had one and she's telling me about how many steps she does every day and so on. And I thought, oh, it's a nice toy. Mm. Uh, but then I discovered that she could do audio recordings on it. And, and immediately I went to that and I thought, ah, because I have... I have ideas when I'm driving or when I'm riding my bike and I never stop the bike to write it mm. down somewhere or make a note of it. And now all of a sudden it's mm. just put the watch up here and audio activate it. Mm. So, hey, open open voice recorder and then I say whatever it is. Yeah. Or right before you go to bed. <laughs> oh, it's like you get an idea like right before you're like, damn it, I have to capture yeah. this. So, um, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I love it. All right. So what's a favorite resource you use most often? Favorite resource I use most often. Um, um, I think it's a screen capture mm. is one of my favorite resources. There's like tons <laughs> of resources because I'm a, I'm a, tech nerd um i think currently probably chat gpt yeah. um there's something called oh and one of my favorite i'll give a shout out um grain so mm, out of okay. all the note takers yeah. which i've tested every single one i love grain um grain is one of my favorite note takers because um it's so good with teams right like the fathom and the fireflies are all great for individuals mm. but for teams if you're going to um it's, it's just super fast and efficient. Like um, if you're going to audit calls, for example, like if you're doing sales training and you're auditing sales calls, or if you're doing quality control for um, account management calls or consulting calls, right? Like, you know, people on your team and they're on video, um, in green, you could just go on the back, you highlight um, parts that you want to give feedback to, um, and then you can clip it. And so people could just go and like, they can have basically exactly what was said, mm -hmm. um, and highlighted in the transcription, um, as well as the, like the video and audio, which is just so phenomenal. Um, you can clip different pieces and, you know, across the customer journey, make case studies. It's just a phenomenal tool, mm. um, of all the note takers. I've been using it for like the past four years Yeah, okay. and it's probably one of my favorite resources. Yeah. I, I know I tried out grain in the early days, but I, um, it sounds like they've come a long way since then So to revisit that. They've, they've come a long way and their AI summaries are phenomenal. Mm. Excellent. 
All right. Now, what's the best way to keep a client on track? Honesty. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think it's it's being honest with the results that you want that they want because sometimes these things are not the same. Mm. Um, and and making sure that you have their best interests, um, in mind and that you're driving towards those results and when those results change, right? That, that we're having the hard conversations around, you know, the choices that are being made um, to make sure that you can be as supportive as you possibly can. Mm, yeah. And that they're willing and committed to do the work. Mm. Yeah. I love that. And, and focused on the outcome, as you say, it's so good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? I think it's developing an actual point of view. I think that's a really big deal. Um, you know, I think a lot of marketing is copying other marketing <laughs> <laughs> that works. Yeah. Um, you know, and and from I think from from a mechanism standpoint, you know, obviously we're we're gonna ride you know, those things are effective mm. and, you know, what converts in this. But I think having a point of view, like an actual, you know, like here's my expertise, um, here's my experience, um, here's how I see the world mm. and and here's how um, how I particularly take on, right? Like, like what's my take on these topics um, is really important as, you know, as not only just, you know, from a tone perspective, right? Like, oh, here's my tone, or I have an authentic tone. Um, but, but really, having a point of view is what differentiates, I think, any individual owner from others mm. um, in the wide, you know, market um, and saturation that might exist. Um, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, I love it, and and being having the confidence, I guess, to express that point of view and take the stand on whatever it might be um, and and not something just for the sake of having a different point of view but um, really being authentic about the whole thing as well exactly yeah. I mean it's not about like sensationalism yeah. polarization um, which work right like <laughs> yes. absolutely work but <laughs> but you know what is your specific you know based on your expertise your experience um your view on the world like what is your point of view mm. um and and i think shared that very much differentiates you know people from from others and and that will attract the right type of client mm. wonderful well thanks for getting us through the buzz round and and also for this wonderful conversation it's been really great juliana now where can people find out more about you and the work you do and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared today oh that would be lovely um and you know i know that as you're scaling a business as you're innovating um you know it can be it can be rather grueling sometimes lonely um and hard but you know we definitely have tons of resources and one of the easiest things that you can do is join our newsletter. Like once you join, um, we have 
three months of like really quick action steps that can make a big operational impact. Um, and you can find those at scaletime.co forward slash podcast forward slash InnovaBuzz. Um, that'll be there. And also if you're interested to figure out like, okay, um, I know I, my operations is good, or I know I need some work, or I think it's, it's excellent, but I want to see how others are doing or how we stack up. We have a five minute diagnostic that uncovers 50 operational gaps and gains. Uh, we send you fancy results and let you know how you're doing on your team, your delivery, um, and your profitability. Um, and we'll put that on the same page. Um, we've done over 600 of those. So you can compare and contrast how mm -hmm. you're doing against your peer revenue group, which is pretty fascinating. Um, cause we're data nerds, obviously. <laughs> and if you're interested in chatting or jumping on a call, um, you know, you can find the sign up link there as well. So absolutely, we'd love to, you know, chat with you and it'll all be at scaletime.co slash podcast slash InnovaBuzz. Excellent. Great. Well, thanks for that. And we'll have a link in the show notes for people who find that hard to remember, <laughs> although it shouldn't be. <laughs> absolutely. Yep. Excellent. Now, what action would you like our listener to take out of our conversation today, Juliana? Um. I would love for them to test new things with their operations, um, you know, figure out what's working, um, uh, what's not and, and innovate. I, I actually think that processes are super sexy. <laughs> um, and can, you know, there can be tons of innovation, um, with what is going on today in, in what can be optimized. So I'd love to see people really, you know, in this climate, in this economy, figure out where they can find innovation because that will lead to profitability, which will lead to money um, and choice. Mm, excellent. Great call to action. So thanks so much, Juliana. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks for sharing your insights and your wisdom and a whole lot of really actionable steps that we can take to improve our processes or start documenting them, uh, perhaps start improving the way we document them and the framework of um, the three steps before we optimize them, standardize them, before we standardize them, actually start to document something, start to create them and um, really love that philosophy and keeping it simple. So thanks again for sharing all of that with us today and all the best for the future. Please do stay in touch. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode. It will help us to make the podcast better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz and pick your preferred platform. Remember to visit innovabiz.co forward slash flyworld and secure your membership to the exclusive Flyworld Nation community, where you'll enjoy direct access to our incredible podcast guests, engaging meaningful conversations, and participate in connection events designed to elevate your business journey. Don't miss out. Join Flywell Nation today. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from Innova Biz. 
Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.